Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. The Lord. Aren't you glad as he was taking up the offering, I was reminded of the ticket costs for the Super Bowl uh, do you know a ticket to the Super Bowl back in 1967 cost 10 bucks? Ten dollars. Uh, that's just over 90 dollars if we adjust for inflation. Uh, but Ticketmaster, which serves as the NFL's official ticket platform, shows the lowest price for tickets lately was 6,500 dollars. Uh, and uh, last week. Last week, seats were being sold for 12000 on SeatGeek, and uh, uh, CBSSports.com reports that if you wanted to get a 20-person suite at this year's game, it's going to cost you a cool $1.8 million. $1.8 million. Uh, a more modest eight-seat uh, suite accommodation is going for $330,000. Four seats for 150000 Well, praise God. I'm glad we can all come to the Lord's banquet table and we can be fed. We can enjoy ourselves and we can leave and not have to pay that. Right? Oh, my goodness. He said he spread his banner over us. It's love. Oh, aren't you glad he loved us? Let's stand together. Psalm 68. We'll read 1 through 4. Psalm 68, 1 through 4 this morning. The psalmist writes and says in Psalm 68, 1, Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God, sing praises unto his name, extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah, which is just another uh, Hebrew translation of the word Lord. It says, and rejoice before him. Can we do that for just a moment? Can we just rejoice before the Lord? Father, thank you that you are almighty God. Thank you that there is nothing too hard for you. Thank you that all of our problems, all of our challenges must bow in your presence. Thank you that sin must bow in your presence. Thank you that addictions must bow in your presence. And Lord, we're going to let you arise this morning. In Jesus' name, speak to us. Meet needs in this place. We'll give you honor and glory in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, let God arise. Let God arise. God bless you. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. After uh, my wife and I 
lived in Pennsylvania for a few years, worked at the Bible school there. We moved to Virginia, and that's where we came here from. So a little over 20 years ago, we moved from northern Virginia uh, to here. However, I remember reading something that happened in the southwestern corner of Virginia uh, around a town called Pennington Gap. Uh, Pennington Gap, uh, population 1,500, I believe. Uh, but something happened there that made at least the local headlines. One day they said a delivery truck left a decent size order of supplies out in front of the Pennington Gap Country Store. The store owner was busy at the time of the delivery, so the uh, delivery guy left the goods out front. Uh, the owner was planning to carry them inside later. Unfortunately, a member of their community helped themselves uh, to them before the store owner could get them inside. But however, another member of the community was pulling into the country store and saw a familiar family in that community helping themselves to the goods. And the witness said that he saw them load them uh, in the back of their pickup truck and pull away as he was pulling in. And so uh, the witness reported everything that he had seen to that store owner, and the local sheriff was called. Report was made, and they said the deputy sheriff drove out to the house of the offenders. Uh, and sure enough, he said when he went, went up to the porch there in clear view was the unopened boxes of stolen goods. So he asked to speak to the father, and the father came to the door, and the deputy asked the father uh, where he had purchased those goods and if he could produce a receipt. Well, the father said, Officer, said it's amazing how the Lord provides. This is what he told him. He said, because, officer, uh, an army helicopter was flying over our place. And all of a sudden, these goods just fell out in our front yard. Well, needless to say, dad's story didn't convince the local sheriff. But I, I say it all that to say this. Many times, we're waiting for God to come and just drop what we would call pie out of the sky. Okay? Into our laps. Because... Um, that's why we just love it to happen. But how many know the truth is we must do our part to release his blessings on us? It'd be nice. It would be nice if a heavenly helicopter would just fly over our situations, wouldn't it? And just drop some spiritual or emotional or physical support every once in a while, right? However, the psalmist here in our text implies that we're the ones that have to let. Somebody say, let God arise. Say it with me one more time. Let God. We have to give God the invitation to come and move in our circumstances. This week I began to wonder how many times during the course of maybe a regular day we use the word let. I mean, we use it in sentences all the time like, uh, let me try. Or, let me do it. Let me do it. Or, let me have it. Or, let me see. Or, let me drive. 
Because let me is, it's amazing how much is packed in those two little words. Let me. Think about it. Let me is really not a command. It's not a command to be obeyed or disobeyed. It's really a phrase in English that asks for permission. You, you, you follow me? Because the person you're speaking to can easily say, no, thank you. I've got it. I think I can handle it. No, I can do it myself. No, not today. Maybe some other time. Now, you could say to me, here, here, let me, let me help you do that. And even though you may be much more qualified for the job, I can still turn down your offer. And that would rob you of the opportunity and the joy of doing what you have offered to do. Now, you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about our text. The words of this text is a request for us to recognize the superior wisdom, the superior knowledge, the superior strength of God, and let him or yield to him. In essence, God Almighty is asking us, can I help you? Let me help you. Can I get involved here? Can I bring my knowledge and my power into this situation? Will you trust me with this? Will you take your hands off so that I can put mine on? Have you figured out that you really do need me? See, that's what I see in this text. Let God arise. God can do the impossible, can't he? But he's not going to come barging into any situation in your life and just throw you out of the way and take over. Hello. No, we are going to have to open the door to him and say, this is an invitation. This is an invite. He stands at the door and knocks. Right? He stands at the door with more power than we could ever use. More power he could, I mean, but he's not going to break the door down. Right? So many people say, I'm waiting on God. Well, the truth is, I believe God's waiting on them. Huh? He's waiting on them to recognize they need Him. He's waiting on them to admit they need Him. He's waiting on them to cry out to Him. He's waiting on them to believe that He can make the difference. He's waiting on them to invite Him into the situation. Newsflash, God will respect our right to fight our own battles. Right? I said He'll respect our right to fight our own battles. He won't interfere. He will even let us do it wrong if we're determined to, God will let us wear ourselves out in hopes that we will turn to him. The truth is God is more anxious to help us than we are to be helped by him. 
And the portion of our text that leaps out at me is the phrase, let God arise, but then this one, and let his enemies be scattered. I don't know what your battle is this morning or what precise enemy is attacking you right now. It could be mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. It could be attacks on your body or attacks on your mind. It may be attacks on your children. It may be attacks against your marriage. How many know the list could go on and on and on? But what I'd like to emphasize here is that these are not just my enemies. These problems are not just your problems. Hmm? These are God's enemies. That's what the text says. Long before that sickness ever hit your body and became your number one enemy, it was God's enemy. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right there. Long before that demon of fear ever attacked your mind, becoming your enemy, it was God's enemy. Long before that devil went after your children, Hello? He was God's enemy. Long before that addiction became your worst enemy, it was God's enemy. And long before depression, anxiety, and worry, and stress ever touched your life, it was God's enemies. Hallelujah. So somebody say, let God arise. Let God arise. Oh, hallelujah. Let God arise. Let that enemy, your enemy, be scattered. So observation number one, we'll talk about three observations and be done. Number one, God wants to arise in our lives, scatter our enemies, but he won't do it without an invitation. So the Holy Spirit, what, what are you saying? I'm saying the Holy Spirit is on standby right now, waiting to be invited into the battle that you are fighting. God hurts when his children hurt. But I believe what hurts him most is to watch us try to do it on our own. To do what he has offered to do for us and in us, and yet we push it aside. Listen, the rest of that verse says, Let them also that hate him flee before him. It says, Let those that hate God flee before him. That puts the battle on another level. Because this is not just you and I trying to hold out against the hordes of hell. Church, this is God rising up, and the enemies that hate God are fleeing away so the devil may be attacking listen because he hates God and the only way he can hurt God is to hurt God's children right now look at verse 2 as smoke is driven away so drive them away as wax melteth before the fire so let the wicked perish at the presence of the Lord we would call this part of the passage maybe presence warfare God's presence so observation number two for God to arise means that His presence becomes manifested around us. Right? Oh, we need the presence of God. It means that the manifest presence of God begins to be multiplied, magnified. It means that there is such a manifest presence of God that our enemies cannot stay in proximity. 
It means the presence of God becomes almost so tangible and so present and so intense that anything from hell cannot remain in the presence of God. Listen, church, disease can dry up and die in the manifest presence of God. Fear will melt away in the manifest presence of God. Strongholds will crumble and fall in the presence of God. Bondages will break in the manifest presence of God. Somebody say, God arise. Let God arise. Unhealthy, unholy habits and addictions will disintegrate in God's manifest presence. Listen, church, anger and frustration and confusion will run from the manifest presence of God. We're used to a light, casual breeze of His presence and a soft little soothing comfort that calms our soul. But when we talk about presence warfare, we're talking about something different church this presence warfare is Jesus out of the box it's Jesus off of the hook it's Jesus without restraint it's Jesus full throttle presence listen is when we take the energy we have been fighting with all by ourselves, and we redirect it on Christ we put him at the center of our problem and worship him until our breakdowns become breakthroughs Praise God. Church, you better get ready for this. I'm screaming a little too much for a Sunday morning. I understand that. But when His presence comes. Ooh, I liked it a while ago when His presence was in here. huh? See, when His presence comes, He takes over. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, let God arise. Now tell him, let him take over. Because 1 Samuel 17, 47 says, And all this assembly shall know that the battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. The battle is the Lord's. 2 Chronicles 27 says, You shall not need to fight in this battle. Stand ye still and see the salvation of our God. That'll happen when we let God arise. I said that can happen when you let God arise. On down in the text, David talks about the level of, of presence there in verse 8. He says, the earth shook. The heavens dropped at the presence of God. Goes on to talk about even the mountains were moved at the presence of God. We talk about God, we talk about His love, we talk about His goodness and even His power. But ultimately, it's not what we say about God that dries up an illness or breaks an addiction or opens the blinded eyes or causes the lame to walk and the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. No, it is the undeniable, undefiable reality of His manifested presence among us. So here's my final observation, number three. Praise is the chariot that God rises in. I said praise is the chariot that God rises. Oh, listen, church, as we worship, God rises. Did you hear me? 
I said, as we worship, God rises. As we magnify, God rises. As we adore Him, He rises. As we glorify Him, He rises. He rises on our worship. And as we worship Him, He comes and He fills the atmosphere with His presence. Then when His presence fills the temple, every impure, every unholy, every spirit of darkness must leave. The presence of God brings a total chaos and confusion into the enemy's camp. And as we celebrate the Lord, heaven's enemies begin to break rank. And they begin to fight each other. And they destroy each other. It's time, church, we come out of the bunker and shake off the fear and announce that we're coming back to the heart of worship. And we're giving back to God the attention and the affection that belongs to Him. And say, God, I've done decided to let you arise. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. As he rises, text says his enemies will be scattered. Oh, pray. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost. Ooh, I wonder if a couple of folks right now would lift your hands and worship. Oh, hallelujah. Would you lift your hands and worship and say, I choose to let God arise. I choose. This is my decision. This is personal. I choose to let God arise over that difficulty in my family, over that situation in my life. Letting God arise. There is a time when God requires us to walk by faith and with no other evidence but His Word. Then there are times when God steps out from behind the veil and He rolls up His sleeves and the waters part and they are troubled and the mountains shake the seas roar and the enemies melt like wax and there's no doubt that there is an awesome powerful God that can do anything in among us praise God if you want to see God in action you got to let him rise Exodus 14.25 reveals to us that there was a point in the middle of the Red Sea. Think about this. There was a point in the middle of the Red Sea when Pharaoh and all of his army actually woke up to how awesome God's power is. Now, I don't, I don't, I can't even imagine. They've already been through multiple plagues. You would have thought they would have got the message. <laughs> but to see a, a, a dry path through the middle of an ocean or sea and say, yeah, we're going in. I'd be like, it's a trap. I'm out of here. Come on. Here's these guys. Riding their chariots right in the wall of water on the left to the right. 
And Exodus 14, 25 says, And so God took off their chariot wheels, and they drave them so heavily, it says, and that's finally, it says, Then the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them. Well, it's about time. You guys get it. It says, then they cried. Once they're in the middle of this dry path, their wheels for no reason are falling off. Then they say, uh-oh, we better turn around. We need to flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against us Egyptians. Listen, I've been praying and I've been getting ready for the same God who stood up for the children of Israel to stand up for his children here at Broadway and show himself in action. Wouldn't that be great? His enemies are going to have to admit that there is a God in the church down there at Broadway and listen, and he's fighting for his people. I said, he's fighting for his people. What are you supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Where we're supposed to lift our voices. We're supposed to magnify God. And we're supposed to say, let God arise. And his enemies be scattered. Come on, say it with me one time. Let God arise. And his enemies. I said, let God arise. And his enemies be scattered. I'm running out of time. But this phrase, let God arise, did not originate with the writer of this psalm here in Psalm 68. The writer we believe, many, many Bible scholars believe the writer here of Psalm 68 is David. And they believe the, the setting of this text is when he was able to bring the ark of the covenant back to Jerusalem after it had been captured earlier and then during King Saul's reign he hadn't prioritized it the ark represents the presence of God we're talking about the golden ark of the covenant and so we read this psalm and we say well it's good words David but David was actually just quoting Moses because this was originally spoken by Moses during the wilderness wanderings, or we should really call it journeyings, I guess. Because Numbers chapter 10, verse 35, it says, It came to pass when the ark set forward. In other words, when the ark began to move, that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee from before thee. And what happened when Moses cried out, let God arise, it's best described in this scenario if I could relate it to you, relay it to you, because what you find in Numbers chapter 10 is after Moses made this declaration, immediately the priests and the Levites became very busy. Those charged with carrying the ark would then go into the Holy of Holies. 
they would take the veil down that separated the Holy of Holies from the most holy place. And then they would use it to cover the Ark of the Covenant to travel. They put their shoulders under the rods used to carry the Ark and they began to follow. And this is important. They followed the cloud. Remember that? The cloud of God's glory. The God who arises was in the cloud. The rest of the Levitical priesthood then attended to their designated assigned duties of dismantling the rest of the tabernacle structure and they quickly began to follow those that was carrying the ark and then tribe by tribe the rest of the camp of Israel packed their belongings, folded their tents, loaded the wagons. There's no argument about it because there was no time for delay. The God that arises was on the move. He said he was on the move. And his people must move with him or be left behind. No human being initiated that move because it was the moving of the cloud. Flesh had no part in that except to comply with what God was doing. It was always God leading his people. So the Israelite, to the Israelite, this, this cry or this shout of let God arise, it became a cry of change. It became a cry of change. It was a cry of forward progress. It was a moving from one camp of learning experience to another. The God who arises was teaching them his ways. And if human nature runs true to form, and I have discovered it usually does, not everyone in the camp of Israel was probably always anxious to move when the cloud moved. Most, most people, don't we like security? Don't we? We like a sense of permanence, a little routine. Because for some people, change is unsettling. It's challenging. For them... They like to settle in a rut, maybe. So comfort could come. But here, use your imagination. And if we can just imagine the scene, let's say you're an Israelite who has been a part of this wilderness group since leaving Egypt. You've set up camp and you've taken down camp so many times you've lost count. By this time, in this place, let's say in this text, you're ready to just settle down. For once, maybe let's say you've got one of the better campsites. Right? So you're kind of liking this one. But then suddenly, you're informed the cloud is rising. 
and it's starting to move. And it's time to pack up again. But let's say you're, you're feeling a little stubborn this time. I mean, it's afternoon, and you mumble to yourself, oh, no, there's just no way, no way I'm going to pack up everything again. I've just had it. I'm, I'm not about to give this campsite up. I'm staying right here. If God wants to move, let him move. If everybody else wants to move, let them move. I'd be happy right here. I'd be content right here. I'm not moving from this spot. And that's that. So the glory cloud moves on across the wilderness to the next camp. And here you are standing in front of your tent, waving goodbye to everybody in the cloud as they march on. Lord only knows where. And you're mumbling to yourself about the whole thing. And suddenly you begin to notice as it's an afternoon, you notice the heat in the desert because it's never been that hot before. Because the cloud shaded the camp. Right? But once the cloud's gone, the blistering heat comes. And you remember, as you look across the wilderness, you can see that same sheltering cloud advancing ahead of your friends and neighbors in the distance. And so you don't have anything to do for shade except go back in the tent. Right? So you head in your tent grumbling because of the unbearable heat. Finally, after a long and silent night, morning arrives. And you think to yourself, boy, it's going to be a good day. I don't have all these people around me. I'm going to walk out here and get my breakfast. So you walk out of your tent and you expect to reach down and pick up some manna. You're not going to have to fight the crowd. So out you go, fully expecting to, to eat your frosted flakes in peace. But as you step out, you can't believe your eyes. There's no manna. There's no provision of food. And again, you remember, the provision of manna only came under the perimeter of the cloud but the cloud is departed in frustration you then decide well then if I can't eat at least I'm gonna I need some water so you pick up your pitcher and you begin looking for the rock that supplied water at the very voice of Moses command there's hundreds of rocks dotting the landscape which one is it you find yourself running from rock to rock, shouting at the top of your voice, spring up a well, spring up a well, until in utter exhaustion you find yourself pleading with a rock that can give you no water. 
You can't believe it. Suddenly it dawns on you that the rock that supplied the water for the camp, it only follows them. That's what, the, that's what Hebrews says. It followed them. I don't know how it happened. It's kind of mind-blowing. But it only supplied water to those who moved with the cloud. But you stubbornly refused to move with the cloud. You thought you could survive on your own. But now you know. Life without God is impossible. Right? He's your bread. He's your water. He's your shade. Huh? Life without the God who arises is just impossible. You know what you have to do? In a matter of minutes, I'd go back and I'd pack up and I would head out. Hello? I would run after the God who arises. I said, I would chase after. Don't you leave me in this hot, blistering, waterless, foodless desert. Because in a matter of days, I will be bleached bones. But if I follow the God who arises, just as he did for the Israelites, when God arises in our life, he's going to lead us into territory that sometimes will be new to us. Right? Ooh. I want to say a couple things about this and close this. Jones, you can come. Israel of old moved from one natural campsite to another as God led them by the cloud. And when Israel moved to a new campsite, they took with them everything that they had learned and experienced at the past campsite. As a New Testament believer, we move from one experience spiritually to another as God leads us along. Right? We need to retain everything that God gives to us and teaches us at those previous campsites. That's why we allow, or excuse me, He allows us to experience them. Because in every new move, we're involved in with God who arises. And at every new campsite He brings to us, we're going to find a couple things to be true. We're going to find things about, find out things that we haven't learned previously. And that's going to help us grow spiritually. And, and here's the point. None of that is going to happen unless we let God arise. We can stay in our little tent and we can do life on our own. But it's not going to be long. God has a way of getting our attention. And if we entertain the thought that God is willing to let us settle down at one specific spiritual campsite in our Christian walk, we can forget about it. He's not. Like the Israelite in the illustration, we can refuse to move with God who arises. But we'll be sorry. We'll be sorry. And the individual church body that wants to experience a fresh move of God a fresh manifestation of His presence has got to be willing to say, 
let God arise, and I'm willing to follow him. Wherever he leads me, I will follow. And then let him arise. Quit trying to hold back. Quit trying to limit God. Because God's nature is to rise up and lead his children. I said, that's his nature. Those that, those that will follow his lead will experience his provision. We'll experience his presence. We'll experience his protection and his power and his purpose. So as we stand together, God is wanting to fight your battle. But he needs an invitation. I said he needs an invitation because God only comes by invitation. God's power follows his presence. Invite his presence and his power will come. Holy Spirit, I don't know who you're speaking to, but you spoke earlier through the message in tongues, the gifts of the Spirit. Father, I pray you, you told us the water's troubled. And Lord, it's time to move. Help somebody this morning to take the step. Oh, somebody begin to pray and say, let God arise. Woo! Hallelujah. Let God arise. And then say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. Will you let God arise? If you will, then follow Him. He wants to minister to you. I want somebody to step out of your seat and say, God, it's time for you to arise on my behalf. I'm going to let God arise. Anybody? Anybody? If not you, then who? If not now, then when? If not here, then where? Why not this morning somebody say, God, you arise. I'm going to let you arise. I'm going to let you arise. Somebody say that with me. Let God arise. Anybody remember that old song we used to sing growing up? Let God arise and His enemies be scattered. How many know that? Raise your hand if you heard that. Three or four of you. Good. All right. So it's up to us to sing it. Mm-hmm. Let God arise and His enemies be scattered. Let God oh, listen, arise church. and His enemies Make that be your scattered. anthem this morning. How about on this side? How many's going to let God arise? Let God God's going to rise. How about right here in the middle? How many's going to let God arise? How about over here on this side of the church? Well, I believe that's a good portion of us. Why don't you just come around the front, raise your hand, and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you this morning. I'm going to let you arise. That's it, church. Let God arise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise. This is what I need. I need God to arise on my behalf. So I'm going to invite him. Is it your marriage? Is it your family? Is it a prodigal son or daughter? Say, Lord, I'm going to let you arise. I've tried to do it by myself. I'm going to let you arise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's going to take home the answer this morning. Somebody's going to take home the answer this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Let God arise. Let faith 
arise and all your doubts be shattered let faith arise and all your doubts be shattered let faith arise and all your doubts be shattered let faith let faith 